Our epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 13, and this is our sermon text this morning. Paul writes, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that we, you, may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is that epistle lesson from Romans chapter 7 that Pastor Sam read for us just a few moments ago. Well, it probably comes as no surprise that this weekend we celebrate our Independence Day. The Declaration of Independence brought much pain and suffering to this country, yet it would lead to this nation's forming in the writing of our Constitution, its adoption in 1787. And it was there that our founding fathers recognized that even with this step forward, we are still imperfect. Yet they sought something noble, the opportunity to make a more perfect union. Well, it comes as no surprise that as a nation, we are not perfect. And while human laws can only seek to make things more perfect, they will never make things perfect. How can we tell? (laughs) Well, you only need to take a glance, don't we? Watch the news, read the news. It isn't hard to see. The laws of our nation, our state, and even our local ordinances are just constantly changing. 
247 years after this Declaration of Independence, and life together is still messy. We would like to think that we change laws to improve our lives, but the reality is that most times we change laws according to a political whim that often just capitalizes on our emotions and our experiences. More often than not, what we end up with is a law that it differs from what we wanted. Perfect. And nothing ever really changes that much. You need only look at the 18th and 21st Amendments to the Constitution to see that. But we are not here today to dwell on man-made laws. We are here to speak about God's law, which is, as our theme suggests, the right law. And it stands in stark contrast to human-made law. Human law is but an imperfect reflection of God's law. And as I've already noted, it is constantly changing. And sometimes it's not good. It can be downright evil. But when I speak of God's law today, I am speaking of His unchanging moral law, the Ten Commandments. We're not speaking of ceremonial or civil law, for those things change. But as we consider God's law today, we need to note that there are some attributes. And the first is this, His law is true. Take a glance at the Ten Commandments and we all agree, this is the way we should live together. God's law is also perfect. It is unchanging. Because it is perfect, it doesn't need to change. And God's law is good. After all, what gift from God would not be good? And when I say good, I mean creation good. It is so good and perfect, it pleases God to give it to us. So thanks be to God that His law is true and perfect and unchanging and good. Now as we start today's text, it is important that we hear the sentence that precedes today's lesson. For it is the last sentence of last week's lesson, and it is this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul has just finished informing us that the free gift of God's grace through faith has brought us from eternal death to eternal life. And to bring this change in us, it required the death of a perfect person and their separation from God. That death was fulfilled in Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross of Calvary. It is in this death that we were buried with Christ in our baptism. And it is this fact that you need to keep at the forefront of your mind today as we enter this text. Because I am going to sound like a broken record. And I want you to hear that broken record and I want you to use it against Satan. 
Now, right away, it seems that Paul in our lesson today is saying that for each of us, God's law has an expiration date. The day we die, we are released from keeping the law. But that is not the complete thought here. And this is why Paul uses the example of the death of a spouse in marriage. He uses this example because it is one that both the Jews and the Greek Christians would understand because it is universally accepted as law that when a spouse died, the living spouse was free from the law of marriage. And they were allowed to marry another without the threat of the law against adultery. But Paul also uses this example to help the church see that in their baptism, they died with Christ. And by that death, they have been released from the requirement of death and separation from God as demanded by God's law. Now released from the wages of their sin by being buried with Christ's death in baptism, they are now free to be joined to Jesus as His bride. Remember this from a few weeks ago in our lesson where Paul wrote, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Being joined to Christ in our baptism, we have passed from death to life and are now the bride of Christ. This is not a more perfect union, but a perfect union in a now but not yet sense. Now, because we have a right relationship with the Father, which we covered just a few weeks ago, but not yet because Christ has not yet come. He has not returned to make all things new. So even though we are speaking of the law this morning, I am hoping that you are already seeing the gospel. For Paul has reminded us of who we are. We are a people who have been redeemed from the eternal effects of sin. A people who have been redeemed unto eternal life. It has already started. We are a people who die to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. This belonging of which Paul writes is so powerful. For the saying is true, no man is an island. We long to fit in. We long to belong to, be one, to one another, to be accepted. We are created for community. But Paul reveals in verse 9 that he didn't realize he was dead until the law came along and revealed his sin to him. He felt 
alive, but when the law came, it only revealed that he was a dead man walking. But this is actually good news. Because without dying to the law, you cannot be free to be bound to Christ in eternal life and bear good fruit. You see, Christ has done all the work that is necessary to make our fruit-bearing possible. But which fruit? Well, Paul today speaks of the fruit that leads to death, which is sin, but he also speaks of the fruit that comes from life. And that is the fruit of our faith. We talked about these fruits last week. Remember? There is repentance. It is a good thing to repent. In fact, the more we become like Jesus, the happier we are when people call us to repentance. For we know that they're actually loving us when they do so. Because they want to see us forever. But we are also called to love one another as Christ has loved us. We are called to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. All good works done within the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the law cannot be the motivation for fruit-bearing in this context. For this is not about trying to produce something out of this current life but simply living the new life that we have been given. As a believer, you should not be worried about what you need to do, but just wonder, what can I do? But even as we do so, sin remains, doesn't it? And we sigh. Paul puts it like this today in our text. He says, But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. You see, Paul is not saying that the law is bad. He is saying that his sinful passion is bad. Our sinful passions are what are bad. I mean, some days it must seem to you that you are trying to strive to outdo Paul as chief of sinners. No, I'm guilty. How about you? But why is that? Well, simply put, Satan likes to use the law. He likes to use it to tempt us through lies and deceit, and he is often quite successful. He tempts us with things by saying, hey, it's not all that bad. But Satan lies. All sin is bad. He tempts us by saying, ah, it won't hurt anyone. And besides, who's going to find out? But Satan lies. Sin always hurts you. And God always sees. Satan tempts us to believe that we actually deserve to enjoy evil, thinking that it'll make us happy. He says that the law restricts our lives and it limits our joy. But Satan lies. God has set before us the promise and joy of a complete fulfillment of a perfect life and union. 
It has no comparison to what we experience now. Satan tempts us using our pride that our sin isn't as bad as somebody else's. But he lies. All sin leads to death. It is a silly thing to think that our sin bears less death than what our neighbors does. He tempts us to believe that some sins are worse than others. He lies. The severity of sin before our Father's eyes doesn't change the consequence of sin. He tempts us to believe that we deserve God's grace, but our enemies do not. He's a liar. No one deserves God's grace. Yet God's grace is given freely to all, even your enemy. For Christ died for all sin. Satan tempts us to believe that some of God's love laws are outdated. They're just socially irrelevant or even offensive and bigoted. So he tempts us to change them or ignore them. But Satan is a liar. Through the prophet Malachi, God says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Our God is a merciful God. You see, the very law that the enemy uses to accuse us with is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is part of his strategy. He tempts us to believe that our desires are more in line with the times and our ever-changing human laws. And then he beats us over the head with our actual reality. God's law does not change. He only lies because that is his way of making us a prisoner that languishes in despair. Instead of celebrating our release from eternal death in Christ Jesus. Yes, release. I said it, release. Paul writes, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Having died to that which helped, held us prisoner. The word released here is so important. It means our captivity to sin is over and done with. And that is what you need to tell Satan. You are one who has died with Christ. You have been released from the penalty of eternal death from breaking God's law. The weight of the law and its consequences of breaking it have been carried by Jesus to the cross of Calvary. It has been borne by Him in the separation from the Father. The perfection that the law demands has been met by the perfection of Christ. And now by grace, through faith, we are raised to new life and are the bride of the new bridegroom. In a now but not yet fashion. Remember last week's lesson when we revealed that the word weak actually described us as being weak with an infection? We are infected by sin, but while we were weak, Christ died for us. 
While we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. Our chains have been released. Martin Luther once quipped that when Satan would come around and declare that he was guilty of sin, he would say, yes, it is true, I am guilty of eternal death, but I have Christ. You too have Christ. And you have the right law. The law that is good and perfect and unchanging. The law that is good, it has been given by God. It therefore cannot be sinful. God's unchanging law, that perfect law, takes us straight to the good news that Jesus Christ has come. And in our baptism we have been buried with Him. The eternal effects of the law no longer apply. You have Christ. That is why we need to continually hear the law, the right law, the unchanging and perfect law. And I know it is sometimes so difficult to hear and it is painful because sometimes we need to be reminded that we have a disease whether or not we know it. And it is only by knowing that you have that disease of sin that the gospel can take root and by faith apply, apply God's grace to see the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ and rejoice. This is all important because death still comes to us all. And for those of us that have endured the loss of another, that hurts like nothing else. But death does not get the last word. For God's gospel, God's word reveals that death has been defeated. Jesus Christ is the one who has given his life for us. The one who's been raised from the grave to give us eternal life. And he is the one, not Satan. He is the one who now reigns in heaven and earth. And he is coming again to wipe every tear. To remove death permanently so that there is no more sorrow. No more pain. He is the one who makes it possible to rejoice even through our tears of grief. This week we celebrate our Independence Day. And it is my hope and prayer that you pause and you see your independence from eternal damnation. For God's law not only reveals our depravity, but it also points us straight to God's grace and our complete dependence upon Jesus. Jesus is the reason we get to celebrate our independence from death. Jesus is the reason we get to celebrate our belonging to the Father. 
Jesus is the reason we can now go and bear good fruit. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.